This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thank you so much for tuning into the show because I've got a killer chat featuring it. Two members of a band from out west titled Kimura. You're going to hear from vocalist Josh Kelly and a fellow who plays a mean guitar, Ian McAllister. Now, the catalyst for the chat is due to the launch of the lad's new album for 2021. It'll see light of day October 21st. It is titled Circle the Circle the Prey. Something else about this chat, it was plagued by internet connectivity issues. The fucking thing just would not kick into gear when we needed it most. But it doesn't detract from what is ultimately a high-quality conversation with two fellas who know what they're doing when it comes to heavy and extreme metal. The internet connectivity issues were so bad that night, I actually forgot to record the first minute or thereabouts on Zoom, but I do recall my opening question, which is about the band's... Well, a statement within the band's presser, which is as follows. What did the band think about this statement? That the group's new album is a chaotic balance between harmony and dissonance, melody and aggression, and is the most ferocious and infectious release they have ever made. So here they are. Josh is a fellow that you'll hear first up, but then throughout the chat, you're also going to hear from Ian McAllister. Let's go. Yeah, uh, we, um, yeah, no, we, we, we didn't actually write that. Um, so when, when Dice actually did up that first presser and sent it through and I read it and I went, holy shit, that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, we, we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't write that. And, um, here we are looking, looking at, uh, what, what he said about it and what other people said about it going, wow, like we knew this was cool and we were onto something really good, but some of the, um, some of the really nice things people have said about it, we're kind of thinking to ourselves like, holy shit, maybe we need to just write like this more often. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit like that, isn't it? But did you find that it, it took you, I haven't heard your other stuff to be honest. So did it, did it take you the three albums to get to the point where, cause it is a very mature and accomplished sound that you've got. Did it take those three albums? Was it that the process to get to where you are now? Do you think? Probably Ian's better to answer this one. Cause he's sort of been in, he's been in the band a lot longer than what I have. Yeah. Um, this, it was, it was different writing this one this time around. Um, Previous releases, the, well, the early releases, a lot of it was written by the other guitarist. Then the last release, a lot of that was songs I'd written on my own. I just had a bunch of stuff, so we put that together. Then mm. this time around, it was pretty much everyone was in in on writing. Was that, was that a, a difficult process for you, though, if everybody was sort of contributing when you're used to sort of having control over what goes on? No, no, because it's – yeah, it's um, – no, it was the last guitarist. He was the one that always had the control. And, um, yeah, this time around it was, yeah, just everyone. So I'd, this time around I was just writing riffs, bringing them in, that everyone would be like, yep, I can do this with it, I can do that with it. And then, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. We Helps kind of – on the same um, page. Sorry, you yes. go, mate. You're right. We sort of, we sort of formalised the – or not, not in an uncomfortable way, but formalised the writing process in that being able to incorporate everybody in the mix. So – we made sure it was really a natural progression. So Ian, Ian would come to the table, to the jam room um, with a heap of ideas, a heap of riffs, a heap of things going on. And we'd all sit here and we'd listen and we'd go, you know, that's great or let's work on that right now. And then some of the stuff that we found and that we kept, 
we all kind of wrote it together. So it was a really natural, wholesome process as a band. And I think that that's where we've kind of cemented ourselves in who we are with our sound, um, mm. being more of a collective as opposed to a singular person in the band, you know, sort of having that directive. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But it, did, did it take a while? You, it sounds like as though you've had lineup shifts and changes. So yes. did, it, did it take a while to find the people on a personal basis? Do you understand what I'm saying? So musically, people might have had the chops. But, you know, to be honest, they might have been fuckwits. I'm not saying they were because I don't know them for a bar of soap. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, but you know what I'm saying, don't you? It's you got, you got to be on the same page literally for in order to produce a cohesive unit like what you've done here. So it obviously took a while to get to where you are on in that respect as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It did. Um, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned the word fuckwits. I'm not going to repeat that. But, <laughs> um, look, we... I've, I haven't been in the band as long as what Ian has. It, it was originally founded by Gordo, our drummer, um, you know, sort of near on a decade ago. And there's been various lineup changes in due course. Uh, with myself, there's only been the, the one lineup change since I've been in the band, and that was our previous bass player. Um, but, yeah, obviously prior to that, there were a few different lineup changes. Uh, and I think from what I can hear with the guy's playing ability as well as my own development, um, everybody's kind of done their time mine with other bands, other writing processes and the guys within this band and their own, you know, musical creativity. Kimura was always kind of finding its feet, I think with its first mm -hmm. sort of two to three releases. And and the third one that we did euthanize sterilized um, was kind of a bit of an affirmation of the direction that we wanted to go in, especially with what Ian was writing, the way Gordo was stepping out of his shell as a bass player and how I was writing as a vocalist. We sort of, threw everything out the window and just went, fuck, let's just do what we think sounds fucking cool. If nobody else likes it, who cares? Yeah, it's such a great way to be thinking, actually, you know, especially with extreme and heavy metal. I mean, for God's sakes, I mean, the marketing strategy effectively is just to produce the music that you want to listen to yourselves. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's I mean, exactly right. There's no scale you're really working within. I mean, there's a, there's a limited audience to begin with because it's never going to be mainstream, you know. So yeah. so on that, on that front, have you... I've, only, I've asked, I went through a phase where I was asking this quite a bit and then I stopped asking it, but I'm going to start asking it again because it can determine, the, my, well, I'll ask my question first, which is the social media side of things. It can determine how successful you are from the respect to the audience that you reach online. And you've got a captive audience these days, particularly in Australia with the lockdowns that are going on. So with regards to album promotion, obviously you're linking in with Dicey and with Miller and that's working really well for you guys, clearly with uh, the cult etiquette PR thing. But you have to spend your own money on Instagram and Facebook, or are you? Uh, with Facebook and Instagram in terms of, um, you know, post boosts and sponsoring ads and all that kind of thing, hmm. um, no, we haven't done any of that uh, with, our, with our stuff that we've done from our page, from our social medias. Um, I guess we've always sort of been on the mindset that everybody knows that the algorithms with social media are incredibly confusing at times. Um, you know, when to post something, should you boost it? all the other things in between. So we've just kind of let it go organically. And this is why we've reached out to the likes of Dicey and gone, hey, look, um, you've got the industry experience. You've got a lot of contacts. Um, you know, your advice uh, as well as direction with all of this is going to be hugely appreciated because we don't we don't really want to go too much down that path. We'd rather it, we want as much exposure as we can get, but we also want it to grow organically. And I guess that's a really tough thing with social media because you never know whether it's genuine or not. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, you can literally buy, is it Fan Fanatics? Is that what the site's called where you can buy 10,000 YouTube views for 150 bucks or what have you? You can bullshit the system. Like the algorithm, you can actually buy comments these days because they they try to make the algorithm work about not not just, it's it's penetration of engagement. God, it sounds sick, doesn't it? Penetration of engagement. (laughs) (laughs) Which which means... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's, but it is. It's like it's like the amount of people comment are more important than the amount of people that like. Okay, yeah, and then the algorithm goes even deeper and looks for tone within the language that people are commenting with. They're using. Yeah, yeah, and I and I guess for us, we kind of feel like if we went down that that you know that whole. I'm going to go buy some likes kind of thing. Uh, I feel like would be doing an injustice to the effort that we've put in an album that was really for us. Mm. And if we turned around and said, hey, I'm going to pay you to my band, uh, I just feel like that had thing to do by us. Yep. That's me personally, though. Um, and I find that the, the rest of the guys, you know, like, and it's 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 always been something in the back of our minds. And we've raised the question, do we want to sponsor this? Do we want to? boost it don't get me wrong i'm sure it works in some situations i mean fuck there's bands that i've come across because i've had a sponsored post that i've gone holy shit which i probably would never have seen but the other 20 30 40 thousand that view it like it and comment on it are they real are they really going to follow that band no i'm with you yeah it's a dark art and it requires an alchemist in order to figure it out and help you be successful (laughs) you know truly at this bloody point you've got to be wearing a you know a magician's cap to in order i mean really i mean it's can use whatever superlatives that i i I can reach for in this instance but you can spend tens of thousands of dollars and unless you've got a targeted strategy and and you're getting advice from somebody who knows how to reach the audience that you intend to reach and will respond and interface with what you guys have got and again playing extreme metal what what i've done a little bit of it myself and with the books that i'm writing i'm you know intend on targeting for example you know i've done 600 of these interviews i interviewed dino from fear factory so i'm going to spend 50 bucks targeting toward fear factory fans you can do that these days uh on the fear factory page so when people go to the fear factory page they will see you know, somewhere else afterwards, they'll see an ad for my book. This is, hey, I've got an entry in here about Dino. That sort of thing. Like, you can go. But I didn't know that until I spoke to somebody who understood that shit. Like, basically, it's only because I'm still in with the university cohort and I get access to people who generally charge people thousands of dollars for this information. um, And I can just have chats with them occasionally just Mm. to check in. And so uh, extreme metal bands, I mean, how much have you got in consulting fees? You know how much can you how much have you got in the kitty for that sort of stuff? Probably nothing, to be honest with you. So how do you get that information? Yeah, that's exactly right. You've got to uh, you've got to pay for it <laughs> if you yeah. want to go down that road. And unfortunately, um, with the music industry at the moment, with the pandemic, let alone being metal, um, metal's always been, as everybody knows, a real tough one compared to a lot of the other genres in terms of making a stable income, um, especially in today's day and mm-hmm. age. With, uh, with how you even get out there doing it, let alone not being able to tour and play shows sometimes. Yep, exactly, and that's the big issue these days. But but you guys have been able to play some shows, am I right in saying that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we so, have been. We've been, we've, we've been really lucky over here, yeah. So what's – you've t- obviously been able to test out a lot of the new material um, and not just test, launch it, no doubt, because is the album out yet 
or is it due to be released? No, no. So the album's out on the 21st of October. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So are you playing all of the cuts from the album or just select cuts and then you, you're taking the bangers from the other three albums? No, we're doing it's the the launch show on the 23rd um, of October is all, all stuff off the new album. Mm. Congratulations, so all, well done. Yeah, back yourselves. Yeah. We're really excited, but we're also uh also a little terrified because of the challenge we've set ourselves. Because we've we've listened to it back and we've gone, oh fuck, that's actually not that easy to play, is it? <laughs> well, as a musician myself, the only advice I've got for you is drink afterwards. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't think that the drinks are going to calm yep. your nerves because they're going to make you make more mistakes on stage you that's the thing about drinking before a gig you're like you feel better there's no doubt but when you listen back to it afterwards you go oh shit yeah yep. <laughs> you find that <laughs> yeah absolutely that when i was first um when i first joined a band years ago actually when i was living in brisbane um one of the first bands i was ever in i used to get hammered before a show Mm-hmm. used to think, you know, yeah, this is sick, this is awesome. Sounded cool, like, you know, moving a lot on stage. And then I remember I saw some video footage and listened to it back and saw it, and I went, oh, God. Yeah, you fucking suck. <laughs> so ever <laughs> since then, part of the um, <laughs> yeah. every, uh, every show that I've ever done with Kamora, actually, I've been, um, yeah, been completely uh, clean and uh, saved the drinking for afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, I play covers, so it's a bit different for me. You sort of need to drink just to get through the night. Some nights, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're playing Brown Eyed Girl and Smells Like Teen Spirit. You do that enough, believe me, you're doing it in your sleep. You know what I mean? You're almost doing it without touching the guitar or the bass. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, you literally. Yeah. I, I mean, you are you're literally on autopilot, especially with stuff like Smells Like Teen Spirit. There's four bloody notes in the song and just a few different rhythmic changes. You know, <laughs> but people want to hear that shit, so you got to give it to no. them. You know, yeah. but um, when you were when you guys were recording the album, so you're all based in in Perth or Western Australia in general, are you? So you're you're able yeah. to do that yeah. in a room together, or did you guys still do that remotely on your own consoles and then send it into somebody who was going to sort of put it all together, so to speak, with Pro Tools? Uh, no, so we um we did all the pre production in in um in my studio where we're where we're sitting now. Um, so we've got a we've got a um a sort of a decent setup that I've kind of built up over the last few years. And so we, we did a lot of the writing and the pre-production here. Um, and then when we actually went into the studio, we could all, we were all in a position where we could all go in there mostly together and get through the whole process together without having to do the, you know, like sending stuff off individually. Mm. So I think that's where that, that whole human interaction in terms of creativity, especially with music, I think really benefited us because, and that's kind of why this album is really close to us and very personal because we really did put a lot into it together. Are you a tradie, are you? Me? I am. Yeah, yeah, you, yourself. No, I, I, uh, no, I work in the mines. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, because everything um, behind you looks too neat for a musician. That's what it looks like a trade started <laughs> or someone who's good good with stuff, you know, with their hands and stuff. Most muso pads look like a bloody bomb. It's, it's just spaghetti, you know. I'm OCD wise, really. clean. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm a bit OCD, chippy by trade, but I am a little bit OCD. And yeah, there a you tradie. go. Yeah, well, there you go. You both are. There you go. You know, yeah. It's amazing the amount of metal musicians that are tradies, actually. Um, there seems to be an interface between working with your hands and playing extreme metal. Yeah, you know, something that sort of goes well together, isn't it? Tools during the day, guitar at night, or drums or whatever yeah. it might be. You know, oh, similar sort of precision involved. 
We won't give Gordo the kudos of being a tradie because he ain't a tradie. Well, actually, no, he technically no, is yeah, a fucking tradie. Yeah, he's a tradie <laughs> too. No, Gord- just, Gordo's just a sparky. It's just Kyle that's not a tradie. But he could certainly um, probably throw you across a room with some of his martial arts skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. So, yeah, yeah, talented band. There you go. And, like, with the with the lyrical themes, was there anything that you were keen to address on the album this time around? There was a few things that I wanted to address um, that had been bothering myself, um, and it's not the main feel or concept through the whole album. Every single song is a story. Um, it's all very real, very true. It's all very personal. Um, some of the songs we've kind of we actually wrote together. There's there's a song on the uh, on the album called uh, Vultures, and it's lyrically I wrote the song and the melody for it about 15 years ago. And I gave it to Ian and Gordo and they actually just turned it into something really cool musically. And because of that, and because of the feel that it had, I wanted them to, I explained to them the theme of the song. And I said, Hey guys, if you could say anything about this particular situation or environment, what would you say? Hmm. And so they, they told me, and now that's part of the lyrics. So it was actually a really cool process, but yeah, there were some things that I wanted to say, um, throughout the album lyrically and it's also on behalf of the band especially against the uh the the ego elitist people that think they're above everybody on the scene there's quite mm-hmm. a few of them everywhere everybody knows it um and pretty much this was our way of going look um you do you we'll do us um don't get in way um and get fucked more or less yeah, yeah, it, it gets it. Look, I'm 43, so I had just. I, it, I'm so. I'm not saying I'm too old and I'm too jaded or whatever to notice it, but yeah, it just get. I just get to a point now where the whole pantomime of that elitism within the scene is just so fucking stupid that it's. Yeah. I yeah, I got to be honest. I think I've tuned out and I just don't notice it, but it, it must still be there. And to your point, it obviously does, you know. But it's it's crazy. I remember as a young user coming through the scene, and there was always that or you're playing this or that band or if you're associated with them. It, it, I've got to say, it happens at the covers scene. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's wow, like really? there's, <laughs> there's an elitism within the covers scene. Yeah, big time. Because that's it's actually more Holy competitive. Fuck. Well, I'll tell you why it's more competitive there, because you get access to the venues that pay more. And the bands oh, that right. play there okay. regularly are looked at as, as in the top of the food chain because they're not disappointing the venue and people are still getting pissed and taking their ecstasy tablets and whatever the hell else they do that contributes toward <laughs> the bar having a bumper night. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, right. yeah it's it's very weird. And it's it's you talk to some of these guys who have an ego about things. And I, I my point that I was trying to make earlier, but not well, was I just can't talk to them anymore. It's just too hard to even entertain having a conversation with some of these guys. And you just think, what are you fucking doing? We're all musos. We're all supposed to be in this together to an extent. That's exactly right. Yep. And completely agree and understand where you're coming from. And I guess we're, uh, we've had, Kimura's had some challenges as a band over the years with that um, type of crowd uh, mm. that, that are around. And don't get me wrong. It's very, very, it's, it's a minority. It's, the majority sure. it's a small yeah. amount um but it's just i find it fascinating because i just think at the end of the day we're all musicians in one of the most remote cities on the planet and in 20 years time somebody might remember some of the music we, we made but the earth's going to keep fucking turning doesn't matter how many fucking friends you think you've got on social media or how much better you think you are than everybody else mm. and i guess for us we kind of got tired of just 
ignoring it and, you know, playing this so-called game that you're expected to play with the cool kids in town. And so this album's very reflective of where you can all go, fuck yourselves. Good on you. Yeah, good on you. No, that's a good way to do it. Stand on your own two feet and if people don't like it, well, then that's that's their bloody problem. So the I quite like the album artwork too. It's it's abstract but at the same time quite vicious. So who did that? Uh, so there's a guy named Rob Stanley. Uh, his artwork is the the Black Abyss, uh, the art of Rob Stanley. He's a Queenslander. Um, mm-hmm. A friend of mine put me onto him years ago and he told me that uh, like a long time ago, he said, you've got to check this art that this guy does out like just it's incredible and uh that artwork that's on our album covers called black dog by uh, mm-hmm. rob stanley and i saw it about four years ago i reckon it'd be now and i saw it and i went i need to do something with that one day and then we uh we had this album going and i showed the guys the artwork and i said what do you reckon and they all went holy fuck this is unreal so that's what we ran with all of his artwork's incredible he does amazing stuff creepy some of it but incredible I know. I'm just looking at it now on Facebook. It is pretty seriously evil shit. Um, yeah, it's out there. I haven't seen anything as serious. I, I love scary stuff. It doesn't bug me. You know, I walk in the bush at night by myself looking for yetis and shit. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. It doesn't really... <laughs> I, I'm not trying to run away from this weird stuff. I'm trying to find it because I, I'm genuinely intrigued by it. I used to I used to work away from home and. Um, to go to sleep, I put on paranormal activity and all of this sort of stuff, and I'd fall asleep in the middle of it, you know, because I, I, you start to work out it's an algorithm within those films. It's like they have a scare, jump scare every 16, 16 minutes or something. So you can sort of time when it's coming up. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, yeah, it is. Seriously, there's a formula, not an algorithm, sorry. It's a formula that they work to. But, um, yeah, his yeah. artwork, it's um, – I love it when a band takes the time to consider the artwork, that get, obtaining artwork that matches the sound, and I think you guys have done a great work job on that front. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're we're really proud of it and we're really grateful that um, Rob was happy for us to um, obviously use his artwork and you know do do all, tick all the tick all the boxes to be able to implement it with our sound because you we completely agree it uh, it matches the sound. Mm-hmm. It's got that it's got that raw sort of venomous you know sort of darkness aggression to it and that's what we feel that the album sort of reflects. Yeah, I remember Ice-T saying in a Rolling Stone interview, like I'm talking 30 years ago or something like that, he couldn't understand why he was getting protests. And I agree with him. He says, listen, guys, my album has bullet holes on the front with blood coming out of it. You know what you're getting when you buy Ice-T shit. It shouldn't be a surprise. (laughs) If Aunt Ethel or Elaine buys Little Johnny an Ice-T album, don't be surprised when it's sex, drugs and violence on it. It has an audience. He's just an entertainer, for God's sakes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you know, um, what what about in terms of the recording and and um, you know I made this point a couple of times, but it, it does sound well put together and cohesive as an album. Like I'm talking about the way you put the songs together and the order of the songs, so both fronts, which I think is really important in this day and age of Spotify when people just aren't listening to albums. I think you've got to have that shit really sorted to keep people's attention. So did you did you have any serious challenges you had to overcome? through the recording? Uh, well, we did a lot of pre-production here at Joshua's. So, and then Ed, we, um, well, Josh, you pretty much organised the song list. Yeah, we threw, oh, I, I threw out a couple of ideas for the song list um, and then just to sort of get that conversation going, get the ball going for the, the track order. Um, mm-hmm. And then it was just a matter of us putting it in a playlist and listening to it consecutively and going, does it flow? Does it fit? Because um, yeah. we also had to take into account that 
you know, out of we got three tracks on the album that have got guest appearances from other artists. So we sort of wanted to make sure that they sit and flow in the mix really well um, with everything else as well, so that it's also um, very cohesive. Um, so we just yep. we just bounce the ideas off one another, and we we went as Ian sort of mentioned just then, like we really um, we went about it a lot better than we've than what I've ever done with bands, and I think probably with what Kamora's done previously in terms of the pre-production, we found that that was really key to get decent mixes and decent recordings of all the songs, have them all there and, and ready to go so that we could listen to them from a structure perspective as well as a consecutive order. So we were really lucky that we could actually capture all that in the studio at, at here um, and I could mix it and sort of do a quick master and we could actually listen to, hey, this is the fucking album. <laughs> what are we going nice. to do with it? Yeah, okay. So you were able to get to the masters before sending them off and listening to the way people listen to them on Spotify or Apple Music from the sounds of things. And that's that's a step that I think is almost essential. Um, if you don't get to approve what the finished product is going to sound like prior to send it off to somebody who's going to do their own thing with it, as the creators, you almost don't have complete control. That's exactly right. And and that's something that we were pretty, um, pretty strict on that we're all for uh, outside opinion, um, directive and advice. Always are. We're always happy to hear what someone else thinks. Um, but at the same time too, we didn't want anybody to be able to go, you know, instead of, instead of playing that, this way why don't you play it this way kind of thing and changing the structure of a song or changing a chord yeah. progression or changing a, a melody um because it kind of defeats your own creativity so doing the pre-production and having the album to listen to before we actually went into the studio to record and have it mixed and mastered was really good for for the producer um, which was jay at oracle studios because he actually got to hear the whole album um, drums, bass, guitars, vocals, everything before he even recorded us. So he had a really good um, head start as to what direction we were going in and what was what was coming. Is Jay a metal guy? He most is. 100% he is most certainly a metal guy. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, occasionally you find bands, you stream bands that try to – it worked for Cradle of Filth with Kit Woolen, but then he had a foot. He did all of the Thin Lizzy stuff and Phil Linnett stuff, so it's kind of in the same quadrant on the compass, so to speak. But I noticed there's this ten. Oh, sorry, it's just dropped out again there, mate. Just the audio. Can see ya, just can't hear. Ya. Uh, no. Nah, only visual. Oh, hang on. Yeah, you're back. Back. yeah you're oh, back. there we go. I was just saying, I'll, I'll keep talking and hopefully it'll cut back in. Yeah, it's being a shit tonight. Yeah. I had a I had a conversation um, with the guys in Nesha who, uh, who were also with Dicey tonight. Tonight, oh, yeah. tonight, I'm, tonight I make Dicey's night, you know, Dicey and Miller's night. I have the conversations on Monday nights with all of those bands. You guys, it's, you know, um, but uh, yeah, it was it was fine then. But tonight, right now, it's the internet's just garbage. But what's oh, it's gone. It's gone. Gone again. Motherfucker. <laughs> Hear me now. It's sort of yeah. Got yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're back. Oh, it's a shit of a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just saying about Jay. Um, I'll, I'll edit that bit out anyway. I'll put this in. 
So you've told, you told me that Jay is a metal guy, but I notice there's a tendency for indie metal bands to get a producer who doesn't understand metal to produce this stuff, and that's crazy to me because of the, dynam- the yeah. dynamics are at play. You can't achieve the full richness. Like Dan Swano and I spoke to Pete Tagtron the other night, you know, because um, Hypocrisy have a new album out, but I just wanted to talk about all the production stuff that he'd done. Um, but, um, yeah, did you, was he or, like, was it, was it a case that you were always going to go to Jay to get the production sorted or were you looking at a few people? Um, it was, it was always probably, it was always going to be Jay for this one. Cause, um, we, we met him, we played a show, uh, at a place not far from, um, just outside of the city, uh, at Inglewood. And he was actually the live, um, sound guy. He was a, the sound guy for the night and he mixed us and, um, he actually hit us up and he just said, Oh, you know, are you guys recording anytime soon? Like what are you doing? And this was a, this was a couple of years ago. Um, and we weren't quite there yet, uh, but he kept, he stayed in touch. Uh, you know, I sort of kept up to date with a lot of the stuff that he was recording and that he was doing. And um, when we were ready, we went and saw him in his new studio that he built and had a chat with him and we went, yep, let's pull the trigger. Let's, let's do it. Easy. Yeah. It's nice when things come together that way, isn't it? You don't have to work. That yeah. You know, um, and and you guys obviously probably took care of a lot of the engineering side of things too, given you no doubt very qualified on the pre-production side of things. Yeah, we we definitely like all of us like especially um, with Ian's guitars. Like you know, we went because um, we used the Kemper to do the pre-production, so we went to the um, rehearsal studios and we profiled his Mesa um, cabs and had them all ready to go so that we could get as close a sound as we could with the pre-production, but also getting in and Gordo and, and myself involved in the mixes too. So I, you know, a mix and then I'd bounce a quick master and send it through and go, what do you guys reckon? Like, what do we want to change? So we really, really pulled apart the songs yeah. um, before we hit the studio for the full blown yeah. recording. So we were very prepared. Is there, is there anything else that you'd like to put out there about the album and about what you guys are trying to achieve by being musicians, that sort of thing? Man. <laughs> oh, we're just doing what we're doing. We enjoy doing it. Yeah. And with you, actually, there was a question that I was midway through asking before the internet issues kicked in, but no doubt you've got a killer live guitar tone. Was it, was it very difficult for you to capture that on the album? Um, I've got two heads that I use when um, I was, I've got a Mesa Mark V. I was planning on using that in the studio. And then when we had it connected up, it would just sounded flat. I don't know why it just it wasn't doing it. So I went with the Mark III, hmm. a much older head, vintage head, and yeah, it yeah, sounded great. Uh, we ended up using both, blended both, but it wasn't. Yeah, once we dolled it in, wasn't that bad at all? Oh, he's frozen. Oh no, you're back. Back, yeah. I think yeah, it's just going to be one of those nights. I think with it all, yeah. Um, oh, just just with how shit the internet is. Your... Robot. Have I turned into a robot? No, no, you're good. I was just checking. Oh, yeah, your bars are red. Now they're yellow. Oh, my God. This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now they're all white now. It's good. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll wrap things up. Not that I don't have more questions to ask you, but I think we're just going to face this this issue. Um, yeah, it's usually Skype that fucks up, not Zoom. So there you go. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, look, as I said to you guys up top, I'm enjoying the album. Um 
I think you face the same challenge that we all do these days, which is cutting through the bullshit on social media and being heard. The quality's there. You can't do any more than what you guys have done here with this release. You know, if you were North American, you'd have 70,000 native Facebook followers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's always going to be that issue with being an Australian extreme metal band. Basically, any extreme metal band outside of North America and Europe um, faces the same challenges. I've spoken to heaps of people about this from overseas too. But I just want to say congratulations on on crafting killer heavy metal. It is important, you know. People, there's a shadow pandemic going on at the moment in Victoria and New South Wales with people suffering mental health issues and the like, and a lot of those people are metal fans and you're giving them something. I'm not saying it puts money in their bank or anything like that, but it just makes things a little bit easier, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. and hopefully we can um, make it up to them all in person and get over there and play for them one day. Yeah, well, I mean, your, your connection with Dicey and stuff, I mean, I'd love to see you guys live. Um, so hopefully that happens. You're playing at Mansfield Tavern or Moe's Clubhouse or something like that over here. Um, you know, I'm yeah. one of those five or six band bills that, that he puts on at the moment because, yeah, you got you got a killer live sound. Um, are you going to – actually, that's a question for you. Are you going to record the full album when you're playing it at your album launch? You know, the full show, sorry, I meant to say. We're probably going to – yeah, we're probably going to do something along those lines. It's just a matter of working. I've still got to have a chat to the, um, obviously, the sound engineer at the venue and sort of say, look, you know, do you mind if I either plug into your front of house or I've got a couple of portable pretty um, high-end recorders that I can either just do that, use that instead and just do a stereo recording um, of the show. But it'd be nice to get sort of a bit more of a DI recording because then I could take the mixes back and, and sort of, you know, balance them out and put them up and go, hey, this is... Uh, our new stuff live would be good for us to have a look at too to see how much we're yeah. dying while we're trying to play these stupid hard songs for us that we wrote. Yeah, yeah, I'm hearing you. Yeah, if you could do video too, I think that'd help. You know, video is yeah. king these days. I'd love to see. I just for purely selfish reasons to say that I'd love to see it. Just afterwards, put it up on YouTube, and when I'm after the kids are in bed and all the rest of it, that's about the only time I get to sort of relax and actually look at things I like looking at. Checking you guys yeah. out, doing what you do live, <laughs> that'd be nice to see that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, we're definitely gonna definitely gonna do something along those lines. I've uh, still got more toys I need to add to the studio and live scenario. So even though I'm running out of room in here, but oh, maybe we should do Joe if we doing a live show. Yeah, we could do. Yeah, the guy that did our video clips, he's also doing our photography on the night. So okay, that's uh, that's not a bad idea. Maybe we should talk to him about uh, something live video wise. Yeah, because I mean, if you get if you get a desk recording. And then you, you don't mm. even need to worry about the sound on the video. You yeah. just sync it up afterwards. I mean, I know it's a bitch to do, just, but, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, yeah, I'll just sit here and pull my hair out in front of the computer and fucking line <laughs> it up. <laughs> Is it the compression ratios are the same? Because then you get sped up visuals yeah. compared to the music or vice or the other way around. I don't know what it is. It's happened, it's happened to me a couple of times when that's happened and I'm like, what the hell's that doing? It shouldn't be doing that, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but thanks, Les. Thanks for the conversation. I'm sorry about these bloody internet connectivity issues. Um, but, um, you know, it's a killer album. Um, you clearly got a good sound going on that's all of your own. So just uh, would look forward to seeing you guys play live over here, unless I get over there, which isn't likely <laughs> with the lockdown. So. <laughs> with yeah, yeah. Old Mark McGowan locking everybody down over there. So we're out, I should yeah. say, over there. But, yeah, no, well done. Awesome work. But, oh, thank you. Thank you very much, and thanks for having us, man. I appreciate it. Yes, internet connectivity issues be damned. That was a killer chat with two fellas from Western Australia, two members of a group called Kimura. 
You heard from Josh Kelly, the vocalist, and Ian McAllister, who plays the guitar. The group's new album, In Market, from the 21st, I believe it is, October 2021, Circle to Prey is the name of that one. Do check it out. If you like that conversation, there are plenty more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. If you could like, subscribe, share, and all of that bullshit, I'd appreciate it as well. Leave a comment. Leave a nice comment too. Tell everybody how much you enjoyed the chat. It always helps. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it is goodbye for now.